born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Look down at letter B. The Jews have rejected his law of revelation. As proof of his truth, the Jews knew his will and were to be. Now remember this. Did the Jews have an advantage over the Gentiles? Yes, they did. See there in chapter 3? Look in verse 1. For what advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because that under them were committed the oracles of God, or the word of God. They not only had the world, they had the word. So they had an advantage. And God went to the Jew first. Now, for example, I, I guess I have a little problem with uh, uh, some things concerning missions. Uh, I'm not saying I'm right, uh, and, uh, and, and I may be wrong. But, you know, the Bible says there in verse 16, uh, where it makes the statement, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And many take that as we're supposed to reach the Jew first and then to the Greek. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm not convinced of that. I, I believe that this is what God has done. He did go to the Jew first, and then he's gone to the Gentiles. Not that, let's say, for example, there's a Jew in here and there's a Gentile. Before I can witness to the Gentile, I've got to find out if there's a Jew first and witness to the Jew first, before I can witness to the Gentile. My personal belief is, I don't care if you're Jew or Gentile. you got a soul, I'm going to try to reach it. And so I don't try to find out what nationality people are, that I've got to witness to the Jew before I can witness to a Gentile. Or if I become a missionary and go on the foreign field, i got to find if there's any Jews there before I can witness to the Gentiles. See, I can't follow that thinking. It just don't make sense to me. But I do believe that God has gone to the Jew first. And Jesus went to the Jew first. And that's why he says, I must needs go through Samaria. But he'd already gone to the Jews. Then he went to the Samaritan. But the Bible says, when they preached the gospel at the very beginning, it was to the Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. But that's where it started, and that's where we end up. We go into everybody and preach the gospel to every creature. So if I don't go to the Jew first, I don't think it's wrong. But I do believe we ought to have a missionary to the Jews. So far, we have, since I started here, we've taken on three missionaries over and above our budget. And we give an average of about $150 to each one. And so far, we've been able to maintain that. And that's because you've given a little bit extra over and above your regular giving. And so now we have three missionaries. And the money is coming in to support them. It won't be long before we can take on another missionary. And then maybe another one. Lee Patton had been here. Believe it or not, Lee Patton had a small church. 
half the size of what we are. And they give over $5,000 a month to missions, supporting over 50 missionaries of $100 apiece. A small church, over and above their budget, because the people believe in missions. I believe in missions and getting the gospel out. That's what a church is about. And I believe if we keep on, we just keep building, little by little, not all at one time, but just realizing that the sacrifice that you made, that it is, it is worth it and it, we're able to get more accomplished. And I believe down the road, God will bless us more individually. And God will bless us as a church because we're sold upon getting the gospel to people. This is what Paul was talking about. I am a debtor to preach the gospel to those that are at Rome also. I'm a debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarian, to the Jew and to the Gentile. And so we look at people... They're souls for which Christ died, and I want to reach all that I can in every way that we possibly can. So the Jews, if you look there in your notes, was to be a guide to the blind. That's mentioned in verse 19 of chapter 2. See there in verse two, uh, 19? Art confident that thou thyself art a guide to the blind. This is how you see yourself. This is the way it was supposed to be. A guide to the blind. You are to be a light of them which are in darkness. You are to be an instructor of the foolish. You are to be a teacher of babes. You see, God says this is what Israel was supposed to do. And this is how some of them looked at themselves, but they didn't do their job. They didn't do their job. He says up there in verse 18, And knowest his will, you had the word of God, you rested in the law, you trusted in the law, in verse 17, you made your boast in the Lord, and knowest his will, you knew what was right. See, the Gentiles, they didn't know the will of God. They didn't have the word of God. But they were still condemned, because people always ask, what about those people that have never heard? How can all those innocent people go to hell? There are no innocent people going to hell. There will not be one innocent person in hell. Understand that. All have sinned. And God takes his word and he shows how that everybody is a sinner. It doesn't matter who they are. And that whatever God does, God must be just. He must be righteous. He can do no wrong. But it's all because of the righteousness and the holiness of God. God cannot permit sin to go unpunished. And it doesn't matter who it is. And so, in your little notes there, they broke the law and dishonored God. This is the failure of the nation of Israel. They had an advantage. It was gone to them first. They were to be the light to the Gentiles. They were supposed to reach the world and God would show them and the other nations what God can do through a nation that was yielded to him. What if Israel today had been an obedient nation? What God could have done for the world through a nation that walked with God. America was raised up. And America, for a while, I believe, was seeking to be a godly nation. They had godly principles and some godly men made godly decisions. We wanted righteousness in our country, and we did right. And families were taught to love their kids and to teach their kids and protect their kids and educate their kids in truth. The universities were all started to educate people in the principles of Christianity so that we could preserve our way of life. And all that's got changed. But we were going to be a light to the world. And America has been a light of freedom to the rest of the world. And many people envy us 
But they want our freedom and they want all the benefits of it, but they don't want our God that gave it to us. So Israel did not guide the way they should. Israel was not a light. Israel was not an instructor of the foolish. Israel was not a teacher of the babes. So look down at number two. The righteous judge is filled with vengeance. And I've got a couple of things. I won't look at all these scriptures. We won't have time. But there's three of them that I do want us to look at that I think are very, very important. Look at Exodus chapter 34. Exodus in chapter 34. All the way back there in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 34. So on page 117, 116, but look in verse 14. If you don't have verse 14 underlined, I would underline this verse in your Bible. Because God is laying down the law, literally, to the nation of Israel. And he says in verse 14, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Do you believe that? You ought to underline that in your Bible. God does not want you or me to worship anything except the true and living God, the God that created the heavens and the earth, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to nail it down so that you know which one I'm talking about. He's Jehovah. He is the Lord. And that's why, because He is a jealous God, He becomes an angry God. A vengeful God. Where do you think that desire comes within you to want to have vengeance upon somebody who wrongs you? That comes from God. And there's nothing wrong with the feeling. But God says, be ye angry and sin not. God says, give vengeance unto God. Let God take vengeance upon those. Because there's a lot of times, wouldn't you and I like to be the avenging angel? And get even with all those people that said all those mean, nasty things. You know how to handle your critics? Outlive them. Just outlive them. But look at Deuteronomy. Since we're right here close, look at Deuteronomy in chapter 29. Just turn to your right. Deuteronomy chapter 29. And look at verse 18. 29 and verse 18. Just uh, three verses here, but look at verse 18. Lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord your God. To go and serve the gods of these nations. Lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. And it come to pass when he heareth the words of this curse. That he bless himself in his heart saying I have made peace though I walk in the imagination of my heart to add drunkenness to thirst. In other words, I thought about this, and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Does he get the blessing of God or the curse of God? The Lord will not spare him, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. He's going to take his life, take him out of this world. But look what he says up here in verse 18. Lest there should be among you any man or woman or family or tribe. Do you think God's concerned about you as an individual and your family? Did you know that by our wicked thoughts and deeds, you can bring the curse of God upon you? Can you believe that? I was thinking the other day, my daughter called up and 
She says, Dad, how you feeling? I said, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. And uh, she says, she said, Dad, sometime I think you're just like Job. I said, well, thank you, hon. And I thought about it for a second. Did you know when, when God allowed the devil to take his ten kids and, and take all of his wealth, all of his servants, all of his cattle, that the Bible says that Job sinned not in his heart, nor charged God foolishly, but it says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he went on with life and didn't say anything else about it. Chapter 2, the devil comes again and the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, yeah, but if you let me get at him. You let me take the things he had, but let me get at him. He'll curse you to his face. So God allowed the devil to get to his body, but said you can't take his life. You can touch his body, you can't take his life. Can you imagine? You don't find Job saying anything until he touched his body. When he touched his body, he cursed the day he was born. He didn't curse God. Cursed well, I wish I'd have never been born. Wish I'd never been born. Who knows how much he went through and for how long. Setting in an ash heap and scraping his sores with broken pieces of pottery. Sackcloth and ashes. Because of the suffering that he was going through. You and I have not a clue how bad that was. And I bet you he didn't have all the pain medicine that we have today. I bet you if it was because of his back trouble, he couldn't go to a chiropractor. And I bet you he didn't have the pharmacy sitting right down the road where he could go get all the medicine that he wanted to dull the pain. You see, we may suffer some today, but aren't we thankful that we got good doctors, good hospitals, good nurses, and some good medicine that God can use and I believe it can be a benefit to us. I had somebody tell me, says, I don't believe in using pain medicine. You get some of the stuff that I've had over the years and you will. You will. You let it get bad enough. Because, buddy, that house that you live in, it can become very painful. And you can suffer an awful lot. But in spite of everything that we go through, God says his grace is sufficient. And one of the greatest promises in the word of God is it shall come to pass. Isn't that a great promise? It shall come to pass. It will come to pass. It may come, but it'll come to pass. And the believing that, but realizing that because of we living in a sinful world with sinful bodies and we are under in this world, we're under a curse. That's why you have to work for a living. That's why you get tired and weary and worn. That's why you get toothaches because your body's falling apart. That's why you can't see as good and you got glasses. And that's why the body is getting old and starting to deteriorate because we live in a sinful world and a sinful body. And until this thing is all over with, sometimes we wonder, is it worth it? Well, here's the, the problem is you can't stop it. You can't do anything about it except go through it. And you may be blessed today. I was just making the statement the other day. Me and Betty, we get out and we walk about two miles every morning before breakfast. And I was walking and I felt so good. Man, I felt good. I said, man, the Lord is so good. I feel so great. And we were just walking and having a good time. But it wasn't 24 hours. 24 hours. I had excruciating pain. We were sitting down there eating at the restaurant yesterday and my daughter had called again, and I was talking to her sitting there at the table. And she says, uh, Dad, I'm praying for you and stuff. So we hung up, and Betty looks at me, 
that beautiful little face of hers, still a childhood to me. She looked at me and she says, she says, I don't feel a pain in my body. She says, I feel great. I said, well, you look great. She feels great. But you know how quickly something can change? You may sit here today and you feel like a million dollars, all wrinkled and green. And then something can happen so quick. But remember, God can bring you through that. You can suffer in this world, this time of life that God's given us to live. But there's something else I want you to see. And that's over in the book of Nahum. Nahum in chapter 1. This is on page 952. I want you to look there in verse 2. In verse 2 of Nahum. It says, God is, what's the word? God is jealous. And the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. And he reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger. That's why you'll find that mentioned in the book of James chapter 1. The Lord is slow concerning anger. Great in power. Will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind, in the storm, in the cloud, the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry and drought all. Do you think this is a God in heaven that might be in charge of the weather? Of the events that takes place upon this earth? I sometimes feel like I think God knows what he's doing. And God is in charge. And it may not seem because we can't see behind the scenes. Sometimes the, the providence of God and his hand moving. But I'm supposed to believe that God is. And that God does what he wants to accomplish. Take your Bible and look in the book of Romans in chapter 5. The book of Romans in chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 tells us a little bit about the conclusion of all of this. You see there in verse 9, verse 9, because of the wrath of God, something had to be done. That's why we need somebody to go between us and God because God is vengeful. God is a God of wrath. And because we've all sinned, we're all under the wrath of God. He that believeth on the Son hath life, and he that believeth not the Son of God shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides upon him. So if it wasn't for somebody taking our wrath, then God would take it upon us. So God, in order because he loved us, did not want to have to smite us and send us all to hell, he did something for us. He sent his Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to take a payment that you and I owe. So he says in verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from what? From wrath through him. In other words, I had it coming. I had it coming. Have you ever had a whipping that you had coming? And then you pray that your dad would forget or your mama would forget? So many times I do something, mama says, she says, you just wait till your daddy gets home. And buddy, I'd be nice as I could possibly be, hoping my mama would forget to tell my daddy. She never forgot he shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were sinners or enemies, enemies of God, we were reconciled to God by his death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Christ living in me. So now I can say, look, I deserve 
because of God's jealousy, because of God's vengeful wrath upon sin, because of how perfect and righteous and just and holy God is, God must judge it, but he must be just. And he cannot just justify me unless he is just in doing so. And the only way he could do that was through his son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ died on that cross and paid for our sins to give us as a free gift everlasting life. Now let me show you something. Most of you have never seen this before. But watch now very closely. At no time will this hand ever leave my wrist. I want you to watch. Verify that this is true. This is you and me. And letter the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now he hates our sin, but he loves us. And the Bible says we have all sinned. You say, well, what is sin? Well, whatever it is, you did it. Because God says all of us have. But whatever it is, it's rebellion to God. It's disobedient. It's transgressing the law. It's not fulfilling the law. It's not being perfect. So God has his perfect law. You want to live with him? Just be perfect. Nobody's perfect. So the law condemns everybody because all have sinned. And the wages of sin is, is death. So we all have to die. That's why everybody born, everybody dies. You see, Christ didn't have to die because, you see, he didn't have a sinful nature. He never did anything wrong. But we've all sinned, so we're all condemned. And to be eternally separated from God in a literal fire burning hell. So you don't need a Savior to keep you from going to a place if it don't exist. So God says he loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, no sin. And nobody's perfect. Nobody qualifies. So God says, by your works, you cannot improve your situation. You're already condemned. So doing good deeds will not take away your bad deeds. This requires death. If there's only one sin over here, all your good works of all of your life can't take away that one sin. You still got to die. Still got to pay for it. You're still going to go to hell. But God loves us. And he says, you cannot pay for your sins by good works. You need a savior. We can't save ourselves. And the law puts us in this condition so that we can see that no man is righteous. The law points you to Christ. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. God in the flesh came into the world. He has no sin, doesn't have to die. But he loves us, hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. He took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And he says, the only thing you and I have to do, believe that he did it for us. Why did he do this? Because he didn't want you to do this. He did it for you. He paid for your sin because he didn't want you to pay for your sins. And the Bible says that Christ died for our sins before we were ever born. He did it 2,000 years ago. So if he paid for our sins 2,000 years ago, how many of our sins did he pay for? All of them before we were ever born. So that means past, present, future. He's already paid for every sin that I'll ever commit in my whole life. And he did the same thing for you, for the whole world. And the only thing he wanted us to do when he came back from the dead is this, will you believe I did that for you? So when you believe he did it for you, you're not going to try to earn your way to heaven. Why? Because you know you're already going. See, people are trying to earn their way to heaven by their good life. It means they're not trusting in what he did. They're going to trust in what they do. 
I know I'm going to heaven because of what he said and because of what he did. What he did was he paid for all my sins. And what he said was if I'd believe it, I'd have eternal life. So when I trusted Christ as my Savior, God gave me as a free gift everlasting life. If it's everlasting life, how long would it last? If it lasts forever and all my sins are paid, where am I going when I die? Can I know I'm going to heaven before I die? Of course. I know I'm going to heaven. You know, most people, they don't know that. They think it's because of how they live. How you live cannot determine your destination. And it's a shame that people can't see it. But it says many are on the road, the broad road that leads to destruction. And the narrow, few people see this. Because they're still trying to earn their way by how they live. And thinking, well, I know she's not saved because, you know, if she was saved, she wouldn't do that. No, you don't get it. A person can trust Christ as Savior and not obey the Lord. Now look up here. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, if you do it today, you become a child of God. And as a child of God, you've got a choice. You can be an obedient child or a disobedient child, but you're still his child. I've got three children, the hard way, one wife. When those kids are born into my family, when they're good, they're mine, and when they're bad, they're Betty's. <laughs> no, they're still ours. But they can be obedient or disobedient. God said, if I'm obedient, he'll bless my life here, and he'll reward me when I get to heaven. But if I'm disobedient, he's going to have to chasten me, maybe discipline me, uh, take me home for my time. But I'm still his child. So in my Christian life, I decided I would rather have God bless my life than to whoop me. So I want to be an obedient child of God. But see, I'm not doing this to be a child of God. I'm not doing this to get to heaven. I'm doing it because I'm going to heaven. I am his child. And I would rather have his blessings than his whoopings. Doesn't that make sense? But I'm not trying to do it to get to heaven. See, if you're doing it to try to get to heaven, you ain't going. You're not saved until you trust Christ and him alone as your only hope of going to heaven. You're saved by faith, not by your works. One work annuls grace. One work. You depend upon one work to get you to heaven. Annuls grace. Because grace is the absence of work. Look. If I offered you this year book and you accept it, what would you have? If I offered you this microphone and you accept it, what would you have? Microphone. If I offered you my wallet and you accept it, what would you have? Empty wallet. We're going to take up another collection in a minute. If Christ walked across here and he offered you eternal life and you accepted, what would you have? Eternal life. And if it's eternal life and it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where are you going? Heaven. Going to heaven. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you are here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you put your trust in him? I hope because of the things that we've said, what we've shared, you understand you cannot save yourself. The preacher can't save you. The church can't save you. All of your good works will not help. Would you put your trust in Christ? He died for you because he loved you. He paid for all of your sins so that you wouldn't have to. And all he wanted you to do is, would you believe he did it for you? And by you believing that, he gives that payment that he made, he gives it to you. You have a payment for your sins. You go to heaven whenever you die. There's no tricks to it, no gimmicks. I'm not going to pin you against the wall, but I am going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand does not save you. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to try to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, you say, preacher, that made sense to me. And I will accept Jesus Christ as my Savior right now. 
And if you're making that decision, I'd like to know and I'd like to have prayer for you. And I'm going to ask you if you'll just slip it up very quickly, put it right back down, say, preacher, that made sense. I will trust Christ as my Savior. I want to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? Just slip it up, put it right back down. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you have something to share with somebody else. You've got some good news. Best news in all the world. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for those that are watching by Internet. And pray that many will understand and put their trust in you. We thank you for this time together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me